You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Hello, happy first contact day. Alan Seiler. Greetings. And Veronica Dashel. Howdy. Oh, wait, that that's that's what's-his-face's line. Mike? Yes. <laughs> I can't believe I said what's-his-face. He, he doesn't it have just... it trademarked. But I he know. says it differently. He goes, howdy. Yeah. It's much more dramatic when he says it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a performance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mine's a little mouse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So today is actually April 6th, the date that we're recording this, which is one day after First Contact Day. And First Contact Day uh, was a big deal on Paramount Plus where they released all kinds of trailers and announcements and lots of great stuff for us Trekkies. So let's uh, talk about a couple of them. Uh, we have some trailers to get to, but first I want to kind of talk about uh, the big reveal about Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, we got our first look at the character design for uh, Captain Janeway. Yes. It looks really good. I mean, there's there's been some varying opinion on that. Yeah. I think it looks great. I think I'm really excited about it. I was surprised that it's well, not surprised, but I was pleased to see it's like early, like classic Janeway. Yeah. You know, she has like sort of the hairstyle and the uniform as if it was like the early seasons Janeway. Yes, exactly. And the first thing that I noticed was no rank, no pips. Right. So I was like, what does that mean? So we got our first taste of what the premise is for this show. Mm -hmm. um, it is a lone Starfleet ship somewhere off in the Delta Quadrant. So all these alien kids that we see as our main cast that we haven't been able to identify, they're all Delta Quadrant races that we haven't met yet. Yeah. And they find this ship. Uh, we don't know why. We don't know why they, uh, you know, commandeer it, basically. But we get a we get an um, a hologram of Janeway as the emergency. Now I forgot. Command. No, uh, command. Like training. 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 Yeah. Emergency training. Yeah. yeah the ETH. <laughs> so I'm really excited about this because uh, for two reasons. One, I've been saying for years that the thing that Star Trek does not do is reach children. If you look at Star Wars, they indoctrinate kids uh, like as soon as they're out of the womb and they have, <laughs> they have product that reaches every age level. And Star Trek's never really done that. They've never had anything successful. They had like a few like novel series like the uh, there was a couple of ones. Like, Nog. Exactly. The young Nog and all that stuff oh. at the Academy. But there's not been anything. There's certainly not anything animated that would grab the younger ages, you know, at the time when they're sort of like in their formative years. Yeah. Well, I think that they've never done anything expressly for young kids, except for maybe the animated series. But I think that a lot of people who are Star Trek fans became fans when they were kids. Yes. It was yeah, a, a show that the whole family would watch, you know, mm -hmm. rather than yeah. just the show for the kids. Even you were we were watching the panel when the Hageman brothers were talking about. And they're like, well, how did you get into Star Trek? And like, well, it was Wrath of Khan. I was seven and he was nine. And I was like, well, <laughs> you were kids. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it, it is exciting to see them doing something that's expressed like, like going after the kids. Yes, exactly. And the other thing that I'm really excited about is that these are these are six young and teenage alien kids who have never heard of the Federation. They don't know anything about it. And the emergency training hologram is there to teach them. And so this show is really going to be introducing what Star Trek is all about to these characters and by extension to a new audience. And I think that is just the greatest premise ever. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really smart too to do, you're doing Janeway, 
but still you still have the freedom to do live action Janeway or prime yeah. Janeway or real Janeway, however they want, unaffected by what happens to her on this show. Exactly. Now, my question is, you know, we've we've seen the um, the animatics of all the main characters, including now Janeway. Mm -hmm. uh, but we know of some other characters that have been named. Uh, so do, you, do we think that maybe they are other parts of the training hologram? Like they set up scenarios and that's where these other characters come in? That could be. Um, or, I mean, they could just be people they encounter along the way on their journey. I, I wouldn't want the show to be just like adventures in the holodeck. <laughs> with, <laughs> with, you know what I mean? That's why I don't think the other ones are going to be main characters. You right, know? right. I think this, in the training sessions, that's where we'll see these other characters. But could be. Still, we're still in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. You know, we're still 70,000 light years away from the Federation. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, adventure with these kids and their surrounding. True. Now, that said, though, I mean, you could be in the Delta Quadrant, but like just over the border. You know what I mean? Like we don't know where in the Delta Quadrant they might be. Very they, possible. You know, I, I didn't. I mean, it seems like uh, Neelix. I mean, obviously Neelix got off like right before they, mm -hmm. like right before the end of the show. I know. So <laughs> you know, the Talaxians have a presence at least. You know, stretching across the stretching across the quadrant. Mm -hmm. I'm st I'm still stuck on the idea that one guy's a Talaxian. Well, they said <laughs> they did say that one of the, we're familiar with one of the characters, but you'd be surprised which one. Well, I think they said one of the species. One of the species. Yeah. 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 They and but they said they made it sound like it was an original. I, I I couldn't tell from the wording if it was like from original Star Trek, meaning like the TOS. old shows, or like if there's a TOS alien in there. You know I know. What I, mean? I was thinking TOS. It's, it's yeah. that's the impression I got from it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Which, if the one guy is a Tellarite, then that fits. That that would be that's, that's true. We were thinking that's of. true. Yeah. And this this does take place after Voyager's timeline, right? Yeah. It does. They they named the year, which I don't remember. Twenty three eighty three is what they said, right. which is four years after Nemesis and three years yeah. after the first season of Lower Decks. And did they say why we're in the Delta Quadrant? How these people ended up? It, well, did they quote unquote end up in the Delta Quadrant, or are we just so finding people in the Delta, the Delta Quadrant? Yeah, they're natives. How about how does Okona fit in? Don't know. Yeah, that was the that was the. Question he could be hologram Okona for all we know. I mean, I we don't we know very little about the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're gonna have to that's you. They're gonna have to convince me on that because he was in such a horrible episode. In my personal <laughs> opinion, <laughs> in my personal opinion, that. Uh, that It'll doesn't mean he can't be redeemed by a cool storyline. <laughs> yeah, show. yeah. yeah. Well, I love Billy Campbell as an actor. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a great actor. As people know, he tried out for the part of Riker. True. I know him as the Rocketeer. Absolutely. Yeah, and I know him from the what <laughs> was the thirty the, the forty four hundred forty four hundred another yeah. good yeah. another good series he wow. was in. Yeah. It, I thought it was interesting that they, uh, they they released trailers for everything except Prodigy yesterday. Yeah. Well, not Strange New Worlds, but I mean, you know, Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks all got trailers. Right. Prodigy didn't. Yeah. But I mean, I guess I guess what they did reveal is big enough to carry it through. And I don't know. I'm kind of excited to to have that wait a little bit for a trailer. Sure. Yeah. Just another morsel, you know, lead me down the path. <laughs> not that I need that. I'm, I'm on the path, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I was I was wondering when I saw that it was also in the Delta Quadrant. Has there really has there been a Star Trek series that focuses on the Beta Quadrant? I know the Romulans are just over the border in the Beta Quadrant. Has that ever been ex explored extensively? I don't think in the shows it has ever been. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Beta Quadrant, I think, is. I think I. As far as the maps go, I think the Earth is sort of like right at the Alpha and Beta Quadrant, exactly. and right. then and like Romulans the Klingons and Romulans are over the Beta, and you know. Right. So yeah. I guess beta quadrant races that interact with us who come to us yeah. as Lord, but mm. being in the beta quadrant, I don't think has. Yeah. On DS nine, they sort of use alpha quadrant as a shorthand for just the space. We know, you yeah. know, whether the, whether they're from the alpha or beta, it was always the alpha quadrant, you know, <laughs> exactly. As a, as a goofy, completely useless aside, I've always found it funny that all the races in the galaxy, when they talk, they know the designations quadrants. And I always think, you know, societies wouldn't necessarily divide a galaxy into four pieces. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you had a society that, that looked at the galaxy as a series of concentric circles, like a, like a <laughs> barrel target? <laughs> <laughs>
But uh, Charles, real quick, you said something I thought was interesting. Alan, you said something I thought was interesting. And I almost, almost got to admit, I almost felt like a snob when I heard. (laughs) And that's horrible to say when people were saying the show was focused on children, because Charles, it was was funny when you said that I started to say, well, I was watching Star Trek when I was four years old and I didn't need a show based on children to watch the show. But it kind of goes back to there's room for everything, just like, you know, Lower Decks. I wasn't. I wasn't against it. I was just, I wasn't skeptical. I was literally just, I don't know if this is going to work or not. And boy, did they sell me. So, yeah, I I think the big difference here is Mm -hmm. kids can basically watch anything they want. So it's, they're not going to sit down and watch reruns. um, Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be a first running show on anything they would watch. So this is kind of a, the current generation of kids Mm -hmm. are more likely to watch this than any other Star Trek. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's just like it's just like you know a show like um, Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You, know, you don't need Rebels to to gain an understanding of Star Wars or to you know find your way into that universe. Right. But it is something that speaks directly to you if you are that age group. Yeah. It's like a thing that's yours, and that's something Star Trek has not had before. I may yeah. be an anomaly. When I was younger, and I watched shows that were geared toward my age group, I never liked them. <laughs> so I, I actually like I didn't like things like the Super Friends or a lot of young kids. That's I me. did. Yeah, oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I always watched those that were more adult. Um, I mean, I mean, Scooby Doo, you can't call it adult. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, to your point, Alan, I this kind of came out of nowhere because I really knew nothing about Prodigy other than what you guys have told me. And so when more of the details came out, what it really is, it's, it is really wild to be in a time where I have no, what you're saying, Veronica, I actually have no clue what's coming up. And that's kind of fascinating. And that's, that's really great in Star Trek. I don't have a clue what's going on, like with Lower Deck. So I'm along for the ride. And for the first time, I can't predict anything in Star Trek. And yeah. that's kind of exciting. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. And there was a time when, you know, even if a new Star Trek show is coming out, you had the expectation. Well, I yeah. know it's going to be seven characters in Starfleet uniforms on a <laughs> right. starship going on. You know what I mean? But exactly. now it's like, I have no, yeah, they could do anything if they yeah. want. Yeah. No clue at all. That's kind of cool. That's exciting. Oh, like a bridge character in the first season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So does that wrap us up for what we know about Prodigy so, Prodigy so far? When did they say it's premiering? Did they give a rough timeline on that? They did not. Nope. Yeah. 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. Well, that sounds a lot. In the next nine months or so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> December 31st. I hope, I hope not. Don't say that. <laughs> that is possible. They just snuck it in. Yeah. Yep. Like, we, we got it out in 2021. Mm-hmm. Even if it was just the first episode of 30 minutes (laughs) yeah well to transition they did give a release date for lower decks yeah of august 12th that's right that was in the trailer so at least we have an idea for one of the shows like when 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 to expect it uh i guess everybody saw the lower decks trailer oh my gosh it's so good it really was and mostly because there's a mugatu in it (laughs) (laughs) i was so stoked to see that yes Veronica, you remember the Mugatu, right? Once I see them again, I will probably remember Big them. Horn oh, ape. <laughs> Is that the white, white the big ones horny, with white the ape, horn? Yeah. Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had a Mugatu. They're playing Ambu Jitsu. There oh, was a, a Miranda-class ship. Yep. That looked like, we were pausing it last night. It looks like the USS Makouf, eight, NCC 1877. I, I stopped it to make sure it wasn't the Reliant somehow. <laughs> but um, So we got a, a, few, a few big references already just in the trailer. Yeah, Cardassians. Yeah. Cardassians, yeah, we saw I'm that. Very excited about that. Um, I noticed that. Um, oh, now I forgot his name. Uh, engineering guy. Oh, Rutherford. Rutherford. Yes. Rutherford has an implant again. Yes. Yes. So I was wondering how they would do that if he if he was going to go back to the implant or have some other implanty gimmick. But no, it looks just like the implant that we remember. Yeah. This season, um, they had a nice little tease of how Boimler is getting along on the Titan. Oh my God. <laughs> Screaming for his life. Yeah. So I was reading or, or listening to a, uh, an interview with the showrunner and it sounds like uh, he's going to be, it's not like he's on the Titan for an episode and then he's back on, you know, he's going to be there for a while. 
Now, I didn't say how long, you know, it could be three episodes or whatever. It could be half a season. We don't know. But at least for the beginning of the season, this story is going to be told across two different ships and two different crews, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I'm with that, especially because it's more Riker. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So he's off spouting all this jazz. <laughs> and, and when there's like, what does that even mean? Right. <laughs> love that moment so much. I love that they're doing Riker as, you know, like this big boisterous guy who just leans into his jazz roots and all this kind of stuff. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I like the animated version of Riker. I, I, I'm glad they're having fun with it. But of course they are. They're having fun with Star Trek. So yeah. why wouldn't they? <laughs> I mean, when you mentioned Charles and you said Ambu Jitsu, I just, I mean, gosh. I had to roll my eyes and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> See, they got the red suit on and everything, which makes sense because it's it's very memorable and it's uh it's ridiculous. Yeah, suits. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Perfect for that show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. They just started the like she does the official Star Trek podcast, Tony Newsom, and uh, they just started their new season of that as well. So if anyone's not listening to that, that's a lot of fun. I I, I love that. People like that who are just embracing it, who are just doing as much Star Trek as they can get their hands on. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That pretty much covers lower decks. We got the trailer and that was that was <laughs> that was pretty much it. And it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> a big trailer. It was just no. like a couple of moments with a couple of flashes of, you know, things in the middle of it and not a whole lot to grab onto, but yeah. enough to make me excited about the season. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm curious to see them following two different um, ships. I'm wondering what that's going to be all about. Uh, are they going to ultimately end up on some kind of joint mission together for a while? Or are they just going to jump back and forth between them? I hope it's something like Game of Thrones, where what one ship does affects the other ship, mm-hmm. but not directly, and they don't directly interact mm-hmm. forever. <laughs> <laughs> and we remember that uh, Sonia Gomez... Uh, the lieutenant from second season, first, second season, whatever it is, of uh, Next Generation is going to be on this show this season. Is she going to be a Titan crew member? Mm, But didn't she say she was a captain? Oh, I don't know. That I didn't. I thought she said that she was coming back as a captain. I could be misremembering that. that. That's interesting. But I mean, yeah, I'm sure they're going to encounter plenty plenty of ships along the season, which I mean, or she could end up being Riker's first officer. We don't know. Yeah, that's true. If she is a captain, I certainly hope that they keep the character trait of her thanking the computer and apologizing to stuff around Mm -hmm. her inanimate things that she has these conversations with. I loved that character so much. And I was really looking forward to her being a recurring uh, thing in Next Gen and never happened. Two episodes and out. I hope Boimler spills coffee on her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, call back. (laughs) I love it. All right, Keith, what show did you want to talk about? Boy, I tell you what, um, you're talking about an embarrassment of riches. We, we all know this, the, the trailer drop for Star Trek Discovery Season 4. And to the point about time, they didn't really say when. They just said 2021. And mm. I don't really know, you know what, what time in 2021 is going to drop. But the trailer, which is only about a minute and 30 seconds, is, my gosh, it is packed with so much stuff. Uh, evidently from what we're seeing, we're not sure what it is, but the trailer starts out talk with Burnham walking down the ship in what looks like a space suit or an EVA suit. Mm-hmm. You, quick, you quickly see sparks flying around her. You can tell that the ship is in danger. And she starts off with a voiceover talking about for all the experience that the crew has and all the things they've been through, that this is going to test them. And one of the things I thought was really interesting about it was that the trailer shows there's a danger. They talked about some gravitational anomaly and Stanley mm. said it's five light years in diameter. And then they also, you hear the Admiral saying something to the effect of, you don't know where it's going to show up. It can show up anywhere. So it sounds like this thing's almost like some kind of, it reminds me of there was, um, gosh, there was a, in, in enterprise, the series, there was that, there was that part of space that they would go through. I don't you remember that it would warp, literally space time yeah. and it literally turned uh, what was it called was the, it the expanse was it actually called the expanse yeah i was thinking it was called the expanse but then of course that was then we have the series expanse but anyway yeah there was a whole region in enterprise where you had to coat your ships with special materials because it literally turned the ship inside it out and it was all this weird gravimetric stuff and this thing seems like it's doing something like that because you see weird scenes of 
when the show the trailer starts off, it looks like the shuttle bay and it looks like it's upside down. Yes, and it is. Yeah, you see it sparking. And then there's a, another scene later on in the trailer where you see the crew of the on the bridge of Discovery floating in the air as if gravity itself mm-hmm. is not working. And so it was just full of a, of a lot of exciting things. One of the things I thought was great about it was you can already, you hear the theme where she basically says, we don't know if we can, I don't know if, the, we don't know if the crew can handle this. And then you hear everybody and you see these scenes where they're saying, this is going to test us like never before, but we'll make it through together. And one of the things that's cool is they crammed in everybody. They crammed in, um, is it Navarre? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vulcan. They showed her, they showed the president of that. They, they heard the admiral, you heard the admiral talking you saw the crew members at one point, there's one scene with a doctor and people holding hands and saying, we're going to make this through together. And it, and then you, you see Saru back on yeah. his home planet, which is very interesting. But, and the thing with Saru, we talked about Saru. Saru's in two different garb in that trailer. You see him in one set of costuming on his home planet where you wonder if, what he's doing, if he's still off duty. And then strangely, you see him on Discovery in these new what I assume are the red command uniforms right? standing in the back of the bridge. So back to the question you guys have been asking, is Saru back to first officer? What's going on there? Because it looks like red is command, but you see him, you see the Vulcans, you see book, you hear the Admiral talking. There's a lady who says that tells Burnham you're in command. Um, and she looks like, looking closely, she looks like she might be part Cardassian. I, I had to say, yeah, I was looking at a screen cap of her, and she does look like she has the the like the outline of the spoon and the the yes, the, like where the ridges would be, yeah, right. which would be pretty cool. And I thought it was cool. She made a point. She said, "Federation and non-Federation, we're all in this together." So yeah. I saw some stuff online where people were being dismissive and saying, some people saying, "Oh, great, another galaxy-threatening event." And I don't think that one that properly captures one what Star Trek is about. But two, you know, we talked about what is this Federation like? Is it the Federation of their the original time, Kirk, Spock, Picard, and so forth? Obviously, that Federation is not as strong as it used to be. Yeah, and definitely. it sounds, you know, and they're panning right here in the trailer. This event, whatever it is, is going to pull people back together. So it sounds like this is a thing that will make them, if they survive it, even stronger than they were before. I thought it was a, a really exciting trailer. I think I watched it five times today. Mm-hmm. And I really like the music as well. Somebody said it was from a video game. I don't know if that's true. Somebody said it sounded like Mass Effect. I don't play Mass Effect. I can't imagine that they did that when they've got a a whole stock of music that they could have pulled from. Exactly. It was a really good, exciting trailer. And it showed so much in that like a minute and a half. So what did y'all think about it? I thought that about the the costumes that they really like messing with the cosplayers. (laughs) Because the stripe (laughs) right, like right down the center, but it's not where it's, it's where you would zip it up or anything or or, because there's another like gold line down it. Uh, yeah, I think well, they just like messing with the cosplayers like that season one where there are the little deltas all over the entire. Oh, yeah. Pattern. Yeah. <laughs> right. That was my first thought. Talking about the uniforms. I am super excited to see them back in the primary color. Yes. I mean, ever since uh, the Enterprise crew joined at the beginning of season two and, mm-hmm. and the, the blue, yellow, red uniforms come walking on. Yeah. Um, ever since that's gone and the, you know, the dark blue uh, discovery uniforms are gone. It's just been a, a, a bland show as far as a, a color palette goes. Mm. Yeah. I'm so excited to see those traditional colors back in the uniforms with the addition of the white for medical. Yeah. I, I love it. I think it's, I think they look fantastic. Yeah, I'm not completely sold on the new uniforms yet. I'm sure I'll get used to them. I I was looking forward to those the the ones they introduced in the, the previous season with the gray with the with the color stripe. I thought those were pretty sharp, and they reminded me of uh, the motion picture, which is always yeah. delightful for me. But um, I mean, they they did like melt into the background in those outfits, though. Exactly which, right. I mean, they could have repainted the walls, but they decided to <laughs> <laughs> recolor the crew instead. But it, it is it is. <laughs> Like finally, because people have been wanting it for four years, just put them in colorful uniforms. Right. Like from the from when Discovery started, it's like, well, how come they're not in colorful uniforms? You know, mm-hmm. they're in the twenty third century. 
And then Pike walks on and he just pops out of the screen compared yes. to everybody in those dark blue outfits. <laughs> oh, so man, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm glad they have the colorful uniforms and I'm, I'm sure I'll get used to them. I, I don't know that I'll ever get used to the asymmetrical bottom of the uniform though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I never, yeah, it's funny. I never really cared whether or not they had the color colorful uniforms back, even though I know they did in Kirk's time, but I really didn't like the gray uniforms introduced at the end of season three. Mm. I, I like these a little better. I, I, I'm having trouble getting used to the command red, though. Yeah, that, that's the that, one that throws me too. Because yeah. one, it, you know, you got to feel like it's security. One thing. Um, yeah. You know, because it looks really red. This wasn't my TV or my phone, right? It's truly red. No, it's, it was, yeah. it's, it's very pretty red. red. All, three <laughs> yeah. are, all three of the colors are really strong colors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought that was really cool. I, I saw a lot of people online. They were talking about that. And somebody said that the gray uniforms remind them of some kind of fascist regime. So they didn't <laughs> really like it. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get, I didn't get that now. Like, like the into the, the, the into darkness hats, I, I I could see the fascist regime thing, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't get that impression from the, the gray uniforms. Mm-mm. I like the gray uniforms a lot. It's just that there's no separation between them and the scenery behind yeah, them. No, you're right. <laughs> it's, it's just a big blob of gray. And they, yeah, as they, they work much better on the white Starfleet headquarters sets <laughs> than they do on, on Discovery, where everything's sort of bronze. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I was yeah. just to not see Admiral Silver Daddy. Yeah, I think like you can spot him like in a shot. Right. But it's like, that's why I said last night we watched the trailer. I was like, where's Vance? Yeah. I He's love Vance. Quick. But you hear his voice, right? Yeah, you hear his voice when he was asked about yeah. where's the anomaly going. So I guess he's going to be pretty central to the story again. So. Yeah, I definitely hope so. Yeah, I was listening, I was looking again at my notes on the trailer and what it starts out with. I, I just for some reason that music just really captivated me. You see Burnham walking the suit and she says, um, we're all living in uncertainty. The stress is starting, starting to take its toll, but we are not alone. None of us are. And then you hear that theme over and over throughout the trailer where they say together, together. And at the end, their hands clasping. I assume that's Burnham and Saru clasping hands. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Um, It's very interesting when you see the Vulcan lady mind melding with book. I'm Mm, really wondering what that's all about. Yes. I'm I'm very glad to see her back. Yes. Um, I'm really looking forward to, as I've said in a previous episode, I'm really looking forward to uh, exploring more of what the Romulan and Vulcan society is like what their relationship with the Federation is like mm-hmm. and how those two things can be bridged. And we all kind of knew that this season was going to be some big, massive thing that's going to help to unify the Federation. Right. Which, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. Let's, let's rebuild. I'm ready for it. Yeah. And Keith, Keith yeah. admission people are still, still shocked, I guess, every year when mm-hmm. there's a big universe threatening thing happening on Discovery, <laughs> but like, that's the show. That's what Discovery exactly. does. Yeah. You know, right. Like you're not doing individual episodes anymore. Right. You're a, a 10, 12, 13 episode story arc. It has to be something big that carries it through the entire right. season. Yeah. I, I am, think so too. I'm intrigued by this anomaly. I'm hoping that it'll be, well, kind of like what I was hoping the Red Angel would be like mm-hmm. a space mystery. Like yeah. build it around a, a weird space thing, you know, like mm-hmm. the five light years across thing. Maybe it's not going to be V'ger, but it made me think of V'ger, you know, what <laughs> I mean? like a, like a big oh. sci-fi high concept thing. You know what I mean? I would love I that. about that. I forgot about V'ger, you know, like I would. Yeah, I, I would love it if it was some big space mystery they have to solve. And th- that it's not one of them who's inside. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, Charles, because then when you say something like that, I, I, my mind immediately starts going back over all the decades of Star Trek thinking, what could it be, to your point? You know, could yeah. it be, like, could, could Charlie X be hanging out inside of it or something <laughs> like that? I'm hoping for something new. Yeah. Well, and, it, and, and a big mystery anomaly is great, but you need a villain. Mm. Mm. I don't know oh. if you do. Well... Yeah, I, mean, I, I would rather there be antagonists along the way, but the like I like the the fact that there wasn't a villain behind the burn, but you did have Osira to contend with along the way, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But but it wasn't like they got there and there was you know 
Dr. Chaotica and his ray gun, you know, <laughs> or whatever they had, they had to defeat. Oh, if only that, <laughs> oh, uh, that would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> so Charles, you're thinking like the Nexus where it wasn't, it wasn't evil or good. It just oh, yeah. was. And then uh, what's his name? Sauron yeah. or whatever was the bad guy. Some space thing I've never heard of. Never thought yeah. of, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe, I, I, maybe that melody will play a part in it. Who oh, knows? My gosh. I hope not. <laughs> if, if, if they're willing to forget about that, I'm willing to forget about it too. <laughs> oh the space melody what do you think's in the anomaly veronica i didn't think anything particular about it i was distracted by the costumes and them bouncing around <laughs> between multiple screens and trying to pick out all the characters <laughs> that were in there what do you think about this lady um who looks like she may be someone who's like a, a position of authority over them potentially being part cardassian that's mm-hmm. gonna be very interesting um because i know there were starting at the end of dsi there were starting to be some cardassians that were siding with federation thoughts um and there was already some uh bajoran cardassians of course yeah like so but um my brief memory (laughs) of seeing her hers was significantly reduced so it looks like she was a third second or third generation of uh yeah like mixed race great grandma might have been a cardassian or something Yeah. yeah yeah That's possible. Yeah, I wouldn't mind, a, um, to Veronica's point, I wouldn't mind a, a return to looking at the Cardassian race because I know one thing they said in DS9 was that before the Cardassians turned into a, a fascistic race, a totalitarian race, they actually at one point in time were a race of great culture and art. Mm-hmm. And like so many people, they basically decided we need to be strong and their interpretation of becoming strong is what they became. And so it would be interesting to see what they have become in the in the far future. Yeah, my impression of them is that they were they were very cultural, like you say, but they were mm-hmm. very resource poor. Right. And it was that that need for resources that we could be, like you said, like we could be strong, you mm-hmm. know, by victimizing other people, essentially, you know, you know, right. make Cardassia great again, kind of a <laughs> kind of a thing. Exactly. Exactly. You wonder if they that you wonder if they have an alliance with the Bajorans and gosh, then my mind goes all kinds of crazy places. If you bring in the Cardassians, do you bring in the Bajorans and what what happened to the prophets in a thousand years? Are they still just like hanging out saying you live in, you know, you don't you live in uh, what is it linear time and all that kind of stuff? Well, they're still talking to Cisco. Like, yeah. you know, if, if all times happen at the same time for them, you know, yeah, absolutely. And who knows? Maybe they're behind the anomaly. That's the mystery in season four. It's Cisco. Oh. It's Cisco. Cisco. <laughs> yes. Hey, yes. Look, as I'll long as the anomaly, yeah, I could, I could go with that. Because <laughs> also, you know, since he's part prophet, there's no reason to assume Cisco has died. Honestly, yeah. you know, right. the, the other party, I mean, he could he could actually go on forever. That's good, Wesley Crusher. You know, um, Charles, as long as the anomaly is not that, what was the thing from the movies, the the, the Abrams verse movies, red, whatever that weird red stuff? Matter. Yeah, as long as it ain't that, I'm okay. I, don't, I almost don't care about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm good with it. So um, the cat showed up. Yeah. All that. She had her like own yeah. like brief yeah. pause. But it has a name. Excuse me. What's and the cat's name? Queen, by the way. Okay, I keep forgetting. I thought it was so funny because a lot of times when I look at trailers. I I just I just look at people's reactions, and man, there were I'm not joking. There were thousands of responses where people, like, oh, the cat's back, the cat's back. Absolutely. And, and so it, it was not a coincidence that they did a quick cut on the cat. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not a cat person, but I'm glad <laughs> everyone who loves cats has. I, I would make it an outdoor cat. At, yeah, at, even if I was in space. <laughs> okay, well, same here and i'm allergic to cats so i can't be around cats long anyway well so. being a dog person as i am even if i didn't love enterprise i still would have watched it just for porthos there you go <laughs> <laughs> maybe porthos is in the anomaly oh yes <laughs> oh my gosh that i mean we don't know what happened to him he just disappeared <laughs> literally because scotty yeah. beamed him away yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I thought it was interesting. They showed everyone, and forgive me for names, but the young girl who now has the trill, the, the symbiote in her. Yeah. And um Adira. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but she's she's non non uh she's gen, non non-binary though. She, That's correct. So yeah. I don't think young girl is the correct thing. Yeah, my, my apologies. But they they showed those two characters as well. 
And they said, she trusts me, but talking, I assume, about Burnham. Yeah. And I saw, again, theories get really wild, but someone was saying at this point in time, is the person who was basically living as a, I don't, you can't really say an illusion or a vision in the head, in their head, but the memories, someone was saying, are they ever going to kind of conspire a way to give that corporeal existence to give them corporeal existence almost like the doctor's hollow emitter or something like that will yeah. always continue to be a person that only they see and are talking to and nobody else i thought that was an interesting take on it and i'm i'm very curious to see how they're going to do that because not that i would find it boring or irritating but you just wonder how long and how much um trade uh, tra- um what's the word mileage they're going to get out of a vision that only one person can see and nobody else can. And, you know, you're going to keep doing the thing where somebody's talking, where they're talking and, so, and everybody's going, what are they talking to? That kind of thing. I'm just very curious to see where that's going to go. I think they that. are going to have her corporeal. Um, they, they, I think they're going to have them corporeal somehow because mm-hmm. with the, with the episode and the hollow recognizing them. Yeah. Well, great. Grace they already kind of led up. To that. Um, Good point. Yeah. But yeah, I think they're definitely Gray is going to be corporeal at some point. They've already set that up. Exactly. Uh-huh. They said that at the end of season three, that we will find a way. Yeah. And the invisible boyfriend thing is <laughs> it can only- know, no, no one wants that. <laughs> Everyone wants Gray to just be corporeal. Yes. Yeah. You can only hear somebody say, shut up so many times or something like that. Right. And everybody go, who are they talking to before that gets a little old? Right. But I, I thought, yeah, it was only like a, it was only a minute and 30 second trailer, but they packed in just about okay. every character. They packed in so much action. They pretty much told you, I assume, the theme of the show. So what did you guys all think about the trailer overall? Great. <laughs> Looks like yeah, I mean, that's 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 about all I have as well. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. I so, mean, it makes me excited. To see more, I I cannot wait. I've ne- I've never been this excited for a season of Discovery, and that's because I enjoyed season three so much more than I thought I would. Yeah. And so I'm really I think they're 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 hit, they're getting it now. So I'm I'm, I'm thrilled. Well, they that, season three. Yeah, they're right, <laughs> but they're. I, I think they found their groove, and I'm yeah. I'm excited to see them continue to develop that. Absolutely, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, same here. But there's one more show. That- Card. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very excited about this one. Like I'm the most excited about it and mostly because a certain character that's coming back. So what letter of the alphabet might represent that character? And who is that? Yeah. Q, a queen, Ooh. a queen of hearts that disintegrates into nothing. And except for the letter Q, yeah. I'm really excited to see what they're going to uh, do with with that and how that's going to tie into Picard basically being an android now. And if mm-hmm. he's going to accuse him of extending the life of the human race or something where he's not supposed to now because mm. uh, he's an android, not a human anymore. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it'll be completely different and he'll be like, oh, you're not a human anymore. So therefore, you don't have to stand trial. <laughs> well, Picard, mm. Q's got to mess with him, though. Like, Oh, yes. Yeah. John Luke Picard's dead, <laughs> you know. Like, like uh, I, I, th- I think Q is going to give Picard a hard time for being an android now. But I love that they tied it in the trailer that the trial never ends. So they're yes. still tying it back with that trial, which I thought was a great bringing that back in all good things was a stroke of genius because it sort yeah. of ties it all in together. Absolutely, it was a great anchor for it. Yeah, it was really a good trailer because it there was like absolute zero footage from the series. It wasn't mm-hmm. like scenes that you see anything happening. It's just like Picard's office and his desk. But you see, you know, like the the Enterprise D poster from his ready room, and you see the uh, the, the desk model of the Stargazer and stuff like that. And they it was, really lingered on the Stargazer too. They really did. That yeah. makes me think. Yeah. That's gonna. That's telling us something. But while he was talking about time, and you can't go back, and the then they show the hourglass going, going backwards, like yeah. I was right. like, is he going back in time? I know. <laughs> I don't think he is, but I really wanted to. Yeah, you. He possibly could. He could. I mean, they even had the doctor from the Stargazer in season one. So there's already sort of a Stargazer. Yeah. Connection going that's on. That's true. That's very true. 
Why am I blanking on what's the name of the actor who played young Professor X in the X-Men movies? James McAvoy. James McAvoy. I don't know if y'all had heard, but a month or so ago, uh, I saw an, I read an interview with him where he said that he had been making inquiries about being able to play a young Picard. And I saw a direct quote from him. It wasn't just a rumor. He said, yes, I'd love to play a young Picard. And he said, I have actually done a little reaching out and told people, if you can craft a story where I could play young Picard, I am more than willing to sign up for it. That'd be, I would not amazing. be married that. Has yeah. Tom Hardy said anything about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Duke it out on screen. <laughs> that's a good point. Oh, man, that's a good point. Uh, Bane versus Professor X. There you go. <laughs> Well, let's let's all remember that we we know from the trailer that we have Q coming back for the season, but we also have Guinan coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I'm really, really because we know that there's some history with Guinan and the Q continuum. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what that's going to be playing into the storyline. Yeah. And now's their chance to finally pay that off. Absolutely. And I'm sure they will. I'm sure that I I want I want to see more Q, including Q2. I knew you were going to mention Q2. Because yeah. <laughs> it's his actual son. You're the so only amazing. Q2 I, fan. I was, I was, I loved that episode so much. So much. <laughs> well, if we're going to do that, Veronica, we need to bring back a, a what's the name? Olivia Diablo. Yeah. The, from Next Generation. Remember, she's half Q and half human. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that one, but I'll probably watch and be like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you remember, you remember she's do. She had a really funky way of engaging her Q powers, which I can't even do. She did some really weird hand thing. Yeah. Oh, her? that's right. Was she blonde? And all the puppies. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay, remember the puppies. Now. Yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, one thing I was noticing when people were talking about online was uh, they were saying that, and I don't know if I agree with this. People said Q has primarily been used for comic relief. Yes. Does he belong in a show as dark as Picard? That was Alan. Yes. Alan. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sorry. You're right. It's funny. Alan, you said that. I'm sorry. I, I didn't put that in context. Alan's right. Alan said that. And then online, people had made the same point that, that you had made, Alan. So good point. And then the others said, as you guys also discussed, is, well, first off, Q has also had some dark moments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. So it, what do you think? The cartoonishness of him is yeah. sort of a counterbalance to that that dark river that runs through his soul basically exactly um, so it's, it's going to be weird to see if they actually do keep that full you know over the top mm-hmm. cartoonish sort of nature or if they go back to the very first episode where he really was just this dark figure that's the judge of all humanity yeah. and all this kind of stuff how they're going to balance that is going to be really interesting Picard could stand to be light. The show could stand to be lightened up a bit, though. Yes. I 100% agree with you on that. But and they all seem like they're a lot happier at the end. And they even dressed in brighter colors when they flew off to have adventures. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, well, you know, that one chick is certainly happy because she killed a dude and no consequences. <laughs> and that was the mind melds <laughs> fault. Play with it. <laughs> Well, to your point about Q, you know, and what you were saying when they said that what the trial never ends. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it looks like Q's point with the card and then humanity writ large is to kind of make sure that we reach whatever this potential the accused seem to think we have so it'll be interesting to see what the angle is for him coming back into picard's life is this everything picard going through yet another step on the evolution of the human race that we need kind of like at all good things that was the whole point was for a brief moment picard thought out of linear time which just helps the advancement of our you know, our intellect and so forth. So I'm wondering if there's that mission that he has again for to, to help Picard and humanity move along to the next step. It's, it's got to have something to do with Picard taking that step into becoming an artificial life form. Yeah. That's like part of that next step. Mm. That's an extension of humanity, sort of. Yeah, that makes me think of the quote from All Good Things where he said, like, this is the exploration that awaits you, not charting nebulas and yeah. whatever, but the limitless possibilities of existence. Yeah, there you go. Right. Right. It could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it sounds like they're going to let him be the age he is and not try some weird de-aging thing that um, half works <laughs> like Delancey? they did with Data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Delancey. Just, he could be old if he wants. He's yeah. cute. Right. Yeah. 
Um, uh, yeah, that, that's true. And he can even make a little joke about, I'm just trying to match your age, Jean-Luc, or match your appearance. <laughs> I didn't want to make you feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Very easily. Um, another, another big change is that uh, Michael Chabon isn't the showrunner right. for second season. So we are going to get hmm. some change of direction, of, of tone, and of feel mm-hmm. by a different showrunner taking over. So I'm really interested mm-hmm. to see how that plays out, too. He is still involved, though. He's still writing for the show, which I'm yes. thrilled with. Yeah. Um, have you seen any of his like on his blog? He's posted these pretty long, um, like the, the backstory he developed for the Romulans and the backstory he developed for the Borg and things like that that goes into like the Romulan culture and so forth. Oh, wow. No, I haven't. It's, seen. Yeah. If, look, if you look up Michael Shabon's blog, I don't remember now what it's called. Um, it won't be hard to find. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like a, like a an eight page thing just about Romulan culture and that sort of oh, thing. Wow, That's fascinating. Yeah. Oh. I'm excited to see Terry Metalis taking over showrunner, though. I think that Shea, Michael Shabon, obviously, he's a great writer, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know he's that terribly experienced with showrunning something like this. And right. I think that you can sort of feel the. Uh, we haven't really done an episode on Picard yet, but if, it felt a bit, a bit disjointed to me as if mm-hmm. there were some production issues that it just felt a little bumpy. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I think Terry Metalis, though, like he did 12 Monkeys. He's right. very experienced with handling a show like this. Absolutely. He's got he's got a really strong sci-fi cred. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the show. Oh, that's a good point, Charles, because if you think about the truth of the matter is two two creative geniuses, Gene Rottenberry and George Lucas, were they weren't necessarily the best runners of their product Mm. sometimes. You know, they were they were really great as the creative impetus, but especially as especially as both Star Wars and Star Trek grew with the new franchise and stuff like that that wasn't their best skill. And I think to a certain extent, they're their greatest interest sometimes. So I, I think that's yeah. kind of what makes sense if maybe he steps back and still becomes kind of the, you know, the creative guy. But yeah, running a show is completely different from just coming up with the idea. Well, it's extraordinarily story. collaborative running yeah. a show. There's so many departments and so many outside factors. And uh, right. whereas writing a novel, it's not, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, you write your story, you know, and exactly. you can make sure it's, you're not shooting you know, filming chapter one while you're writing chapter four exactly. <laughs> you know exactly yeah and that's why as much as i know some people don't like um uh, rick berman and brandon braga to a certain extent if you think about what they did to your point it was actually kind of um it's really kind of amazing that they held together and put the, out the quality stuff they did put out for as many years as they yeah. did when they were running the star trek franchise absolutely television and movies yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. All right. We have uh, one last thing that got announced yesterday, and that is this new documentary uh, of Nichelle Nichols and her history with uh, NASA and the space program. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited about all the things that they announced yesterday, but this one I might be more excited about than <laughs> anything else. Um, it looks really good. Yeah, it does. It really does. You know, I've always known about her involvement with NASA. Right. I've seen the um, the recruitment films that they did with her. I'm sure that there is an awful lot to the story that I don't know. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm so excited to see some of the uh, behind, you know, what we know publicly. There's all this stuff that went on behind the scenes that I'm excited to learn about. So I'm looking forward to it, man. And I'm, I'm really excited for her. You know, she's in a tough time in her life. Yeah. She's had a lot of, uh, of medical issues and stuff like that. And I'm really excited to see her get her due. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see her be part of a conversation because, you know, people think of Uhura. Right. They don't think of her other television roles. They don't think of her stage work. They don't think of her civil rights uh, involvement. They think of Uhura. And I'm mm-hmm. so excited for a chapter of her life that was so important to be brought to life in a new way. I'm, I'm just so looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. For those who are, yeah, those who are basically under like 40 or 50, they would, you're right. They wouldn't remember to like, she was a, she was a dancer and a singer mm-hmm. on a level of talent with, there was a lady named Lola Falana that almost nobody remembers. I'm sure. Oh, I yeah. love Lola. Yeah, but she's a, a very talented lady. And th- on, I didn't read a lot on this, Alan. This, is this point? Is this focused more on her work with Track and NASA, or is it more of a, of a true general biography? 
It, no, it's totally about NASA. NASA okay. her, uh, her becoming the spokesperson for mm-hmm. uh, greater diversity in uh, the space program mm-hmm. and the work that she did to recruit uh, a broader spectrum of talent for NASA. Right. And, you know, there's in the, when you watch the trailer, one of the gentlemen that's in the trailer basically says, oh, you know, uh, uh, Nichelle Nichols came along and it transformed the space program forever. And I just think that's incredible to be able to say that about someone. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And a point that they hit in the trailer was that, like we all know, I mean, in the 60s, the space program was a white man club. You know, yeah. women and anybody who wasn't a white man really wasn't allowed to be an astronaut. Right. Um, and then, she, you know, she got involved and it's a great story to tell because it's not just about her role as a sci-fi icon, mm-hmm. but how, how she used that to make a real change in the exactly. world. To change the world. Absolutely. Right. There was a line, she says in, in one of the interview segments, she says something along the lines of, um, if you let me open the door, I will show you the world. Mm-hmm. And I, oh my God, I just think that's the most incredible statement. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about this. Yeah, and I love to see people do more because, as everybody knows, she was unhappy with her role in Star Trek, not, not just the series, but the movies. And I remember I read uh, an anecdote with her where when um, The Search for Spock came out, which is, um, in my opinion, I really love that movie. And she called the, the showrunner and she said, or the movie runner, the, and she said, I have almost no lines in this movie. <laughs> And they had to come back and say, you remember the famous scene where the guy and she, the Mr. Adventure and the yes. dude was telling her uh, that you know, basically her career was winding down and they had to tell her it wasn't the quantity. It was the quality of what we were giving you. Mm. And she said, OK, I saw it in that point of view. But she always like the others, like George Takai and uh, Walter Koenig, she always felt a little frustrated at the work Absolutely. that she did. Yeah. And but to your point, I love that she went and did other stuff with her celebrity and mm-hmm. with her influence. I love that she made a life for herself where she didn't just spend her life you know, worried about what she didn't get to do in Star Trek. She went out and did. She lived the full life. And and it's really great to hear that because I know she was diagnosed with dementia just a couple of three years ago. And that you hope that something like this would come out before you know, maybe she fades away. Yeah. And I, so I think this is a great time for something like that. Mm. absolutely yeah and the release date they gave for that was june 3rd is that right am i remembering that right yeah it's june i think it's the third uh, and on paramount plus which is great because i have that yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you've got paramount plus and you should have there is a slew of amazing trek stuff coming this year yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. so what, what do you, you said Franca? you said you're most excited about picard yes even if Q2 doesn't show up. Even if Q2 doesn't show up. <laughs> I really hope he does. And Alan, you said you're most excited about uh, Woman in Motion. Right, right. And what about you, Keith? Which one were you most excited about? I think Discovery Season 4. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go Lower Decks then, so it's not left out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say because every one of them looks fantastic and, and i'm looking forward to them so for different reasons yeah exactly yeah. right because they're also different looks like it's going to be of the highest quality and i'm just thrilled yeah and if, if these are all good i mean it's the uh, one of the most exciting times in star trek history you know mm-hmm. that they have all of these shows going on and mm-hmm. we haven't even got to the ones that are after that like they didn't even touch on strange new worlds and whatever else and yep. it's interesting too still no mention of short treks Mm. Mm. I'm worried that they have maybe abandoned because with so many seasons or so many series happening now, is there a need for short tracks? Yeah. You know, they were there to sort of bridge the gap between discovery season one and two and, you know, to uh, introduce uh, some animation and things like that after season two, maybe there's not a need for it anymore. I hate that because I've, I loved the short tracks. Yeah. And I thought there, I've, I've said this before, so sorry, Veronica for repeating myself, but um, <laughs> it's a great opportunity to experiment and to try out people who yeah. like, I, I believe the, the composer for, I think it's prodigy. They found, she did a, a you know, a short trick and then, and then they hired her on to be the composer for a show. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, it's like, like it's a great opportunity to find directors and writers and give people a shot, you know, on this little 10, 20 minutes thing. 
and see what they've got, you know? Well, but it's also a great way to feature a character that you might not, you know, get a lot of focus on in an episode. They haven't done a lot of that yet with mm-hmm. the short tracks, but, right. but they also did a lot of uh, experimenting with format. Mm-hmm. The first two animated things we got were two short tracks that were completely different tone, different look, and they were both gorgeous. And, you know, it's a way to expand what Star Trek can be. Yeah. Have they said what's coming out next? I mean, I know we know the only one they gave us a release date for was August 12th for Discovery. And I had kind of assumed that Prodigy would be up before Lower Decks, but with them not releasing a trailer for it yet. And now it makes me wonder if we're waiting until August for Lower Decks to kick this all off. Or do we even know? Does anybody have any ideas? None. None. Yeah, I I looked online and I couldn't find anything concrete at all. Mm. I feel like they're going to surprise us with Prodigy during the summer and that's going to be over and it's going to be Lower Decks and then it's going to be Discovery and then it's going to be Picard and then it's going to be Strange New Worlds. I think that makes sense. I think a release for Prodigy with kids out of school and stuff might work. That's true. Be the first, you know, the first. Plus, it's not on. Uh, well, it is on Paramount Plus, but it's not exclusively on Paramount. It's on Nickelodeon. Right now, they said that it'd be coming to, to Paramount Plus first. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, who knows? Maybe that's like <laughs> the first day it's on Paramount Plus, and the next day it's on Nickelodeon and Paramount it's Plus. It's very possible. Yeah. Whenever they release it, I'll be at work. That I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or asleep. Right. <laughs> All right. Did anybody have any closing thoughts? We're getting right about that time. Great year to be a track fan. Great time to be a track fan. Sure is. Yeah. All right. Well, Alan, where can people find more of your thoughts on the internet? Okay. Let's see. I have a publishing company called Cosmic Press, K-O-Z-M-I-C Press. Uh, Just announced that I've got three new books coming out later this year. Uh, Not too much later. Actually, one is imminent hmm. uh so find me at cosmicpress.com um the doctor who convention that i've run for 16 years now will be doing a virtual convention in uh may may 29th i think it is uh so you can find that at wholanta.com or on our facebook group or page and i do a sunday evening music uh talk show on youtube uh, which you can also find on my Facebook page. I do it Facebook Live and YouTube Live. And it's called Alan's Music Room. So look for that. Now, is Alan's Music Room the final title, or are you still deciding what it's Alan's Music? Well, um, t- <laughs> the thing that I was debating was that um, my first thing was uh, Alan's Album Party. And uh, my partner convinced me to change it to Music Room. And the font that I had it the word room just didn't look good mm. so i wanted to keep party because it looks fantastic in my font um but it just never worked so alan's music room is now the title and i've adjusted the the font and the placement of the letters and all to make it work so hey. it is now alan's music room awesome <laughs> well how about you keith you can find me primarily on Facebook. I'm on Facebook pretty much all the time and on all the ESO, ESO network groups. And I also have an Instagram, but primarily on Facebook. Okay. And how about us, Veronica? FeltDirty.com. Yep. And you can see us at the Doctor Who convention this year. Yes, you can. I'm so excited. Oh, you're talking about the virtual Who Lanta. Yes. Because yeah. I only have one of those shots so far. <laughs> so I got I, I, no, no, no live in-person conventions planned just yet. Yeah. But. <laughs> We're hopeful. Well, everyone get vaccinated, please. Absolutely. Do yes. it. All right, Veronica, I want to take us out with a tagline. Okay. Okay. I started thinking about this in the middle of the show. Um, <laughs> wow. That's why you got quiet. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. I mean, your homework this week is to make a list of them. No, no, no. I like coming up with them in the last minute. This oh, is fun. Because okay. I thought about it a little bit on the car ride home from work. And I was like, nah, I'll just wing it. Um, so, so this is not exactly a like a quick, quick <laughs> go out, but this is what came in my head, and I can't think of anything else now. Go ahead. Star Trek. We're gonna get copyright flagged. We won't. They won't recognize that. Well, you'll never be able to top that one. 
Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. Howdy! Listen up. I am talking. Now, the question of the hour is, who's got a Doctor Who podcast? Answer, we do. Next question, who's listening to it? Answer, you are. If you're sitting up there in your silly little spaceship and you've got any plans to listen to a Doctor Who podcast, just remember who's standing in your way. And then, do the smart thing. Listen to Earth Station Who right here on the ESO This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.